This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Hamilton Book Month has 21 events ranging from workshops to panel discussions throughout the month of August. Now, Wild Imagining is a free event being held at the Central Library on the 14th of August, where you'll hear authors Karen McMillan and Melinda Shamanic talking about their fiction, non-fiction, fantasy action, adventure, picture books, short stories and novels. And later on in that day, Melinda will be hosting a writing children's fiction workshop, an opportunity to learn more about being an author and getting published in Aotearoa for people interested in writing for children. Now, Melinda Shamanic, who has been writing novels, short stories and picture books for children for over 20 years, um, and several of her books have won awards in her 2019 short story collection, Time Machine and Other Stories, was a finalist for the 2020 New Zealand Book Awards for children and adults. Mona's Son, written by Melinda and illustrated by Malene uh, Logerson, is a finalist for the Russell Clark Award for illustration in this year's New Zealand Book Awards for children and young adults. And Melinda regularly runs creative writing workshops for people of all, all ages. And she joins us now. Good morning, Melinda. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. You're based in uh, Auckland, is that right? That's right. Awesome. Um, which books do you remember reading as a child that left their mark on you? And I ask this because I, I make the presumption, and it might not be right, that people who love reading uh, are more likely to perhaps like writing? Uh, it certainly was the case for me. I developed a love of books very early on, and uh, I was a bit sickly as a child. I, I had childhood asthma. Actually, I had adult asthma as well, but I had childhood asthma. I, had, I went through all the... Um, classic childhood illnesses, mumps, measles, the lot. And so I spent a lot of time reading in bed, um, recovering from those things. And books were my lifeline. They, I, I fell in love with words. I fell in love with the stories that words could create. And I fell in love with the power of words. And I loved all the classic books like uh, Little House on the Prairie, so history, um, uh, the Silver Sword uh, by Ian Seralia. I loved um, things like uh, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, uh, The Wizard of Earthsea, so fantasy as well. I read really widely across children's books and they all just blew me away. And at that time, were there a lot of New Zealand authors? No, um, not really. When I was uh, a youngster, so I kind of really developed the passion when I was nine or ten, and honestly, there weren't back then. Uh, Margaret Mahi and Joy Cowley and David Hill hadn't really mm. kicked off at that point, and so when I thought about being a writer, I thought New Zealanders didn't do it. I wasn't seeing any New mm. Zealand writers, and I thought you had to come from somewhere like England where they had a long literary history and a very rich culture and, and lots of things that happened, wars and so on, and I thought we had none of that here, and so I couldn't be a writer. It took me a long time to realise that 
that I could. Uh, yeah, that reminds me of the, if you can see it, you can be it. And I guess uh, once you start to see New Zealand authors, you realise that's something that is uh, possible for you as well, um, which is really great. Um, you studied science and zoology um, yes. and, and are now a writer. So, so was there a, an event or something that uh, caused such a shift in uh, your career? Uh, the, the underlying thing was that I did always want to be a writer, but I kind of hid it away and denied it. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm interested in science. I'm pretty good at science. And it seemed like a good um, career uh, uh, journey to take. And so I did the science degree and then after that decided, no, that wasn't me at all. Um, but although that information and that, that knowledge never goes to waste, um, but I then thought, oh, I'm just going to give this a go, and I decided to do an English literature degree, and it was uh, doing the children's writing paper that really changed things for me, because suddenly I saw where I'd been going wrong during one particular assignment, and it was the short stories I wrote for that assignment that were the first things I ever got accepted for publication. And, and that, yeah, the penny dropped. And it was um, having those acceptances as well made me think I can do this. I can write stories for children. And I just grew from there, really. And I had children of my own, which never hurts um, in terms of having an insight into what children um, are after. Although I also know plenty of children's writers who don't have children. So it's not a prerequisite. Mm. But you've also got an audience to test your, your stories on to see if they fly or not. I'm sure they were very honest children as well, whether or not they like what they're hearing. Children are. They, um, they bet you know very, very quickly whether something is um, to their taste or not. Um, yeah, and which is useful. <laughs> very, very useful. But um, yeah, they've kind of grown out of it now because my youngest is 23, so I don't test anything on them anymore. Mm. And do you know what it was about writing children's book that appealed to you so much? I think one of the things I like about children's uh, writing, one of the main things is that they're very hopeful books with, with kind of potential answers for mm. navigating life. They're, they're the language is often fun and interesting and you can do quite gymnastic things with words for children that's um, mm. enormous fun so and and honestly it's just the writing I like the best so it, it always spoke to me and I'm not sure how much of a good segue that is but I'll just read this uh, this sort of it's kind of a quote or a review Sometimes uh, your only weapon is the will to survive. Taken from their home and put to work in labour camps, Adam and his family doubt that they will ever make it out alive. Even if they were to flee, they might freeze to death or starve, or the bears might get them. Now this is from A Winter's Day in 1939, one of your children's books, and I'm really interested in the idea of uh, sharing these these uh, histories, these true histories. I mean, this is... Uh, from your Polish um, background, I understand. So how do That's you go right. about telling these stories in a way that works for children? Because I, I, I think this is something we'll see in Aotearoa more as we begin to want to understand our own history more and the need to, to uh, recreate that for children now. 
I think it's hugely important. I think um, we do need to understand our past to to go forward in a more positive way. Um, and and just the terrible things that people are capable of, but it is difficult to translate that for a younger audience. And for me, uh, with that particular book, I had the benefit of um, uh, my parents had both been through World War Two as children, and I had notes from my father, and for the, uh, A Winter's Day in 1939 is based on his experiences. But when you look at those world events through a children's eyes, it helps child readers um, see it in a way that they can comprehend it and um, cope with it. So uh, partly it's it's doing it with a child's perspective. Um, partly it's ensuring that you do provide that hope always. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things with with. Uh, families that came through and survived the war, they they did kind of hold on to hope and they did always just do the things they needed to do to get through. Everybody did in those times. And um, so those were the things I focused on. What helped them get through? What gave them hope? Um, what led them on? And I, so I think if you have that focus and that mindset, it does um, not freak out the child reader too much. Mm. Uh, you do have to um, soften some aspects, but you can't uh, ignore everything. You do have to be realistic too. People died during the war, and you don't want to sugarcoat that. That was that was uh, uh, those were real events, and they really were terrible times. So it's a balancing act of the terrible things and the hope. I like that you explained it, and, and I guess in a formula that might might be, I'm not an author, might be used for other children's books, but there's always that message of overcoming uh, an obstacle of some sort and offering hope at the end, and, and that might that formula might work with lots of different stories, and um, our historical accounts is just one of those. Uh, yeah, I, I think partly too, when you look at um, uh, writing those stories, we write them from the perspective of people who did survive, so I think it does does offer the hope that you can get through, mm. and they are difficult, tragic times, but but it, it's possible to survive, and I think those are um, you know the fact that <clears throat> there are ways to get through is what we need to keep offering to children that they can find solutions, and often it's about kindness and. Um, helping each other out. Mm. So, um, these so, are good messages to give to children going forward. They are. So, that was a winter's day in 1939, and showing the diversity of your work, your latest picture book is Bat Kiwi. So, can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> that one? Um, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to write about the kiwi. I think our national bird is quite a treasure um, and has lots of lovely qualities which um, uh, we should write about. And I guess this book is a bit of a love letter too to all our native flora and fauna. And it was um, kind of the name Bat Kiwi came to me one day when I was walking along and I thought, oh, I need to write a story where where the Kiwi becomes a hero. Um, so Kiwi is desperate to help others to save the day. Um, 
but he can't do it on his own because he's flightless and he can't climb trees and he can't quite run fast enough to get to um, the crisis on time. So he needs a little help um, from another character to to do the things he wants to do to help out. Um, and this is the story of his of his journey to becoming the hero he wants to be. That's really cute, really and a nice story. And I particularly love that it sort of it does start to educate people on uh, our our native birds and species as well. What you know their their limitations and their challenges as the the special little creatures that they are. So you are hosting a writing children's fiction workshop. Yes. What is one piece of advice you could give to an aspiring writer ahead of time? Or is it a snippet of a taste to uh, come at the workshop? Oh, um, I think uh, there's a couple of bits of advice. I think one solid bit of advice that is, I, I think is very popular, always comes out, but I think it's so true. And that's to know the kind of writing that you're wanting to do. So if you want to write picture books, you should be reading an awful lot of picture books so that you understand what a good picture book looks like, mm. how they work, what's required. So read widely in um, the writing that you want to do. Um, and another bit of advice is um, I know often it can be hard to find an ending to a story and that's something I'm going to be talking about in my workshop is how to get a good ending for the fabulous idea that you've come up with and it's about structuring your story correctly so I won't give away that no, one don't um, give that away just yet. and also there's there are lots of opportunities in New Zealand to get published, um, lots of different uh, ways in. So I'll be talking a lot about uh, what opportunities there are and how you prepare your work and send it off. So I think my best tip is read widely the kinds of stories you want to write and uh, especially find your voice. You f finding your voice is what is going to help you stick out and finding your voice is about um, which books, which authors do you like best and how do they stand out, what makes them distinctive and use the same techniques. Wonderful advice and there will be more of that of course at, at the workshop. So writing children's fiction is 1 till 4pm the 14th of August at Trust Waikato. Um, you can register, it's only $25 at hamiltonbookmonth.com but of course Melinda will also be at the Central Library from 10 till 12 on the same day, so a very busy day uh, for you <laughs> at World Imagining which is a free event uh, on, again on the 14th of August. All details for these events on hamiltonbookmonth.com Melinda, thank you very much for joining us this morning on Free FM. Thank you so much for having me. Again, that was Melinda Shamanik uh, talking to us about some uh, about her stories, her work, uh, and about a couple of opportunities that you have to learn more about writing if it's something that you enjoy yourself or reading if you're a reader. Um, and there's plenty to uh, get involved in and check out throughout the month of August, thanks to Hamilton Book Month. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.